today is uh, July the 3rd, and you know that that means tomorrow is the 4th, Independence Day. And that's the day that we celebrate in memory of 246 years ago when 56 men signed the Declaration of Independence and declared uh, a separation between the United States colonies and Great Britain. And uh, uh, we've heard that Declaration of Independence many, many times over our lives, and it still, it, it still blesses us to uh, hear those words and, that, and the justification that was given for the rebellion. Because basically what these 56 men signed was articles of rebellion against uh, the King of England. Well, no one ever dared to do that before. And uh, because England uh, was the strongest, most powerful nation in the world and had the greatest military and had conquered and dominated huge portions of the earth, places like India, Burma, uh, uh, large parts of Africa, and, uh, and of course, uh, the colonies were established by British settlers, people coming over and, uh, and settling the colonies. And they were considered the property and the uh, servants of the king. And so they were, they were committing high treason. And it was held that way in the, in the opinion of a lot of people who lived in the colonies. These men, were, these, men, these 56 men who signed the Declaration of Independence did not represent the majority view. They were actually in the minority. And they were labeled as traitors, and they were, they were sought after. And uh, there was one phrase in the uh, Declaration of Independence uh, before they signed it. They said, and we pledge our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor, knowing that if they were caught, they would be, uh, they would be uh, treated as traitors and that, uh, that they would be, they, all their properties would be confiscated. Uh, they might be hung, shot, tortured, or imprisoned for the rest of their lives. And these were not poor men. These were, these were uh, well-established, uh, uh, financially prosperous uh, leaders in their community. They, some of them were very wealthy people, landowners and uh, business owners, uh, men like... Uh, Benjamin Franklin, who was up in years and was already uh, world-renowned and, and uh, an inventor and a businessman and a publisher and, and uh, very successful, and yet pledging his, his life, his fortune, and his sacred honor uh, in, in defense of their actions that day and breaking with the tyranny of King George the Third, and and uh, they made it personal. <laughs> they said this man uh, is uh, is is mistreating us. This man is doing wrong, and therefore, in the eyes of God, we're justified in rebelling against him and separating ourselves from his rule. You know, you fast forward that to events that are taking place today, where we have a we 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 have a, a, a kangaroo trial going on in the House of Representatives 
to punish people who stood up for their rights in the face of in the face of the government and they're being told you don't have a right to do that but they are just as much patriots as these 56 men who signed the declaration of independence these men by the way did pay for it many of them uh, i think there was uh, three of them that were executed uh, almost all of them had property confiscated and and uh, uh, many of them were in prison many of them were tortured and died in prison even some of their wives were arrested and tortured and died in prison they paid a price and uh, I got to thinking about that and the, the thought that came to me was freedom is not free when we speak, when we speak about being free and speak about being uh, liberated from tyranny it doesn't come uh, to the lazy it doesn't come to the people who are cowardly or afraid. It doesn't happen uh, unless somebody is willing to lay down their life. These men paid huge sacrifices, and thousands since them have paid sacrifices in order for this to continue to be a free country. Uh, we think about that, and I, I, wanted, I want to read a, uh, something I read from it was written by a guy named Dr. Daniel Merritt, and I want to give him credit for it. He said, these 56 men knew the minute they signed the document, they would be labeled as traitors by the British, and there would be a price upon their head. They were risking their lives for the cause of freedom. What did it actually cost these men for signing the Declaration of Independence? I am afraid we have forgotten what it cost them. Not one of the signers escaped the battle for independence without suffering some loss or penalty. Five signers were captured by the British as traitors and tortured before they died. Twelve had their homes ransacked and burned. Two lost their sons serving in the Revolutionary Army. Another had two sons captured. Nine of the 56 fought and died from wounds or hardships of the Revolutionary War. Layman Hall of Georgia had his property confiscated. George Walton of Georgia was imprisoned. Joseph Hughes of North Carolina died from utter exhaustion from the strain. William Hooper of North Carolina was driven from his home. John Penn of North Carolina had his health wrecked and died in 1780. William Floyd of New York was driven from his home and his property confiscated. Philip Livingston of New York had all his property taken from him. John Morton of Pennsylvania became forsaken by friends and died eight months after the signing. Richard Stockton of New Jersey was dragged from his bed in the middle of the night and thrown into prison. Caesar Rodney of Delaware died from cancer not long after signing. John Hart of New Jersey was forced from his home. His house burned, and he lived as a fugitive. Roger Sherman of Connecticut his efforts during the battle for independence took a toll on his health and had to be relieved of many of colonial duties. Lewis Morris of New York was a man of considerable wealth but lost it during the war. Carter Braxton of Virginia lost his wealth and his property was seized. Thomas Hayward, Arthur Middleton, and Edward from South Carolina were all thrown into prison. Thomas Nelson of Virginia lost his fortune and died in poverty. 
Francis Lewis of New York had his home burned and his wife taken prisoner. Abraham Clark, and by the way, it was his wife that died in prison. Abraham Clark of New Jersey had two of his sons captured and put in prison. John Witherspoon of New Jersey had his voluminous library burned. Francis Hopkinson of New Jersey had his home taken and became a fugitive. Thomas McKean of Delaware was so pursued by the British that he was forced to constantly move his family. George Ross, a minister from Pennsylvania, died in 1779 from broken health. William Whipple of New Hampshire developed heart problems, which eventually took his life. These are just a few of the prices that were paid for our freedom. And we owe these people a great debt of gratitude. And I think when we celebrate 4th of July, we need to remember that, that the people who, who uh, made it all possible and who initiated it all, bled, suffered, and died for this country. Then we can fast forward, you know, to uh, the Civil War, where in one battle, the Battle of Gettysburg, 60,000 people died. And it was, it was a, a huge monumental effort to keep the nation together, to keep the nation united. And, um, and it looked like, it looked like the Confederate Army was going to overtake Washington, D.C. That's what the Battle of Gettysburg was all about. They were, they were actually threatening the outskirts of Washington, D.C. And Abraham Lincoln, the President of the United States, went into his chambers, knelt beside his chair, and prayed for God to save the nation. And the next day, the battle was turned. But not before 60,000 people died. You know, people think that no one has ever done anything, you know, to free the slaves. But our ancestors, our forefathers, fought, bled, and died in a horrific war to make this nation not only united, but free. Freedom is not free. And when we think about that, we think about our, our freedom spiritually, our freedom from sin, our freedom from uh, spiritual death, and how wonderful it is to, uh, to not be burdened down with the weight of sin, but Jesus set us free, and we sing about it all the time, and we talk about it all the time, but we need to realize even though salvation is a free gift that we receive from God, it did not come freely. John 8, 31, if you want to turn with me to the scripture, uh, John 8, 31, Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus promised freedom. But I, I want you to look at the next verse. John 8, 30, uh, 8, 33, actually. They answered Jesus, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? You know, there are a lot of folks today that are not free who think they are free. 
It is possible to be in bondage and not know it. And I don't know what kind of reasoning these people were operating under, but it was faulty because they were under Roman tyranny. They were under Roman rule, and yet they, they thought they were free. You, you can get so accustomed to living in bondage that you don't know you need an emancipator. You don't, you don't think you need a liberator. You, you, don't, you don't realize how bowed down you are and oppressed you are. But Jesus answered them in verse 34. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, who, whoever commits sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abides forever. And so Jesus is, is telling them that there, there's, there's a freedom, a greater freedom, a real truer freedom available to them, but it's going to have to, it's going to come through the, his sacrifice. What was the price that Jesus paid to make us free? Well, we all know John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God did not send Jesus into the world to condemn the world. They were already condemned. You see, people are going to hell, but not because of God. God provided a way out. God provided a way to go free. And it's not, it, it, the way wasn't popular. The, way, the people didn't even think they needed freedom. Bible says that God, God sent him unto his own, and his own didn't even receive him. They were so full of darkness, they couldn't even receive what he was saying. But there was a light that came into the world, and that light was for the intention of making people free. That's why the gospel is fought all over the world by evil, evil governments. That's why when... when evil governments take over, one of the first things they try to do is get rid of all the Bibles because the entrance of his word brings light and that light is the life of men and that's talking about Jesus. Jesus is the light of the world and so when people receive Jesus, they receive freedom. They begin to taste it. They begin to know it and then they begin to reject everything that is contrary to their freedom. And so these governments don't want people in church or in churches where the gospel is preached. You know, there are churches and there are religions that keep the people in darkness and keep the people bound and keep the people, uh, you know, tied up in traditions and things that don't free them. There are a lot of religions that are built around captivating their people and holding their people in ignorance and in and, and darkness. But when the truth is preached, Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. Amen. So 1 John 3.16 says, Here, Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Jesus laid down his life for us. That's the price that he paid. But notice that the rest of that verse says, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Well, this was written by the Apostle John. 
And it was written during a time when he was the last remaining apostle, apostle, original apostle that was still alive. All the other apostles had already laid down their lives for the gospel. Not only did Jesus pay a great price, but the founders, the early founders of the, of the church paid a great price. John, even though he, it's reported that he died of an old age, was persecuted, imprisoned, boiled in oil, shot at with arrows, and mistreated in, in, in many attempts to kill him, but he just wouldn't die. God kept him alive supernaturally. But he suffered. He paid a great price. All of these men. And, it, and, and that, that set the tradition of the church. The church over the last 2,000 years has been, has been uh, uh, kept going by the shed blood of martyrs and people who were willing to pay the price to keep the gospel going. The first people who, uh, who put the scriptures in print form died as martyrs. John Knox burnt at a stake. Gutenberg suffered uh, tremendously. Martin Luther suffered tremendously. Uh, and and uh, had to run and had to hide and had to had to uh, protect themselves from uh, tyrants who were trying to do them in, in order to get the gospel out to the common people. We think many times, you know, we think very. Isn't it wonderful that we have a Bible and we have so many Bibles? We've got different translations. We've got uh, we've got all kinds of. Uh, colors and fabrics and large print, small print, uh, center column references, concordances, maps, and oh boy, we, you know, we, we've got, I've, and I've got, I've got Bibles all over the place. But what we don't realize is the first people who made Bibles available to people like us paid for it with their lives. What a price. What a price has been paid. And then we, we understand that, that uh, historically our, our founding fathers escaped tyranny and religious persecution to come to the colonies to establish a, a, a new land and build a new land that was based upon freedoms and liberties. But it wasn't easy. The first ones, you know, uh, didn't even survive the winter. Many of them died on the trip over here. Others, you know, were, were, uh, were, were, were killed by the natives or the harsh climate. Many of them starved to death. And many were persecuted for their, their, their independence and their independent thinking. There was a man who served on the Virginia House of Burgesses by the name of Patrick Henry. He was on his way to a congressional meeting. And, of course, back in those days, you ride horses. And he's riding his horse, you know, through Virginia on the way to uh, wherever this, this uh, Congress was taking place, Philadelphia or Washington. I don't know where it was. And he goes through this uh, this village in Virginia. 
and he gets to the town square, and there's a man tied to a post, and there's, a, there's another man beating this man with a whip. And so he just sat there on his horse and watched this horrible scene, and this man was merciless. He was just, he was just flailing against that guy tied to the post. And blood was flying everywhere and pieces of flesh were flying everywhere. And this, this man was screaming out. And, and, and Patrick Henry thought, you know, what, what a horrible crime could this man have possibly committed to, to be worthy of this kind of punishment? But that, that, that the man did not relent until the guy was dead at the whipping post. So Patrick Henry moved his horse along and went over to the man, and he asked the man, he said, what horrible crime did this fellow commit that he should be put to such a brutal death? And the man turned at him and says, he would not take a license to preach. This was a Baptist minister who did not believe that the government had any right to tell him whether he could preach or not preach. But the British governor of Virginia had established a law saying you've got to take a license from the state of Virginia or you can't preach. And the man refused. He says, you don't have a right. I, I'm serving God. It's God who called me. You don't have a right to tell me whether I can preach or not. And so they beat him to death at the whipping post. When Patrick Henry got to the, the Congress, and he stood up that day to give his speech. He gave that speech that ended with, give me liberty or give me death. And that's what motivated him and inspired him. Those were the kind of people that founded the United States of America. And those were the kind of people that have kept it going. Warriors, people who not, didn't wait till they were drafted, but volunteered to go to war on behalf of this nation, people like my dad, my granddad, <laughs> my, 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 my family members, your family members, many of you even served. I was at a restaurant the other day, and a guy asked me, you know, did I serve in the military? He, he, you know, because they have discounts for guys who served in the military. And I said, no, but I sure know a lot of people that did. He said, well, that's all right. I'll give you an old man's discount. <laughs> so I took it, you know. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a great honor to be related to people and to know people that were willing to lay down their lives. And maybe they weren't so willing, but they, they obeyed and they went anyway. Laying down your life is the price you pay for freedom. And we're living in a country today that is not devoid of those kinds of people. We've got some folks in this country that are laying their lives on the line. And many of them are dying right and left. Many of them are being arrested and thrown into prison without trial, without legal representation. They're not being given uh, their, quote, rights because uh, the enemy hates them so bad and doesn't want them to speak because they're telling the truth. We know a man, he's, 
He's a, a good, close friend with uh, Jay and Georgine Fields. He's been to our church once. And he was imprisoned because he went to the, he went to the border and filmed what was going on at the border. And the government didn't want that truth out. And so guess what they did? They arrested him and threw him in prison and didn't give him a trial, didn't give him legal representation and held him there incommunicado, wouldn't even allow him to talk to anybody on the outside for fear of the truth getting out. Well, the truth is still getting out. Amen? This kangaroo trial that's going on in the House of Representatives on January 6th, they call it the insurrection, the uprising. No, it was just two million Americans that love their country who appeared in Washington, D.C. to support uh, uh, their, uh, their president and their country. I know several of them that were there. I've got friends that were there. Joshua Hines was there. Adam Culp was there. And their story of what went on there is not what's being told right now on the news media. The news media is lying about it, and they're lying about patriots. They're lying about people who were willing to go out of their way to let their voice be heard. And this, this, this kangaroo court is doing their dead-level best to vilify patriotic Americans. And they're coming down because the truth is getting out. In spite of their efforts, the truth is getting out. But in the process, there are people that are having to lay down their lives. There, there was a, uh, an individual who witnessed firsthand what was going on, and they were scheduled to testify at this, uh, uh, at this hearing. But the day before they were to testify, they were shot to death in their front yard. That's how desperate the enemy is to keep the truth from getting out. Why? Because the truth will make you free. Amen? How about people like the pillow man? Mike Lindell has paid a tremendous price. He's someone who has put his life, liberty, and fortune on the line. And, you know, if you haven't bought a my pillow product, you you know shame on you. You ought to you know that's like giving the missions. You ought to at least order a pillow or I ordered a couple towels last week because I just you know I, I heard what they're doing to him and how the, how how Walmart banned him. You know why Walmart banned him? Because he's standing up for the truth. And they're part they're part of the problem. They're not part of the answer, the solution. And so I thought, well, if they're not going to let uh, people go to Walmart and buy his products, I went online and I ordered two towels. I've already got five pillows. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll do something. But I ordered, so I ordered some towels. And, uh, you know, and there are other people. That, these, these people in Arizona that have been fighting that, that situation in Arizona, they're not... They're not uh, off the radar of these people. I mean, they're, they're attacking people everywhere. 
because they want to silence the truth. Well, you can't silence truth. It's going to come out. And justice follows. Amen? Well, in the middle of all this fighting, you know, we, we've, got, we've, got to, we've got to fight, but we've got to walk in love. Does that confuse anybody? Amen. We don't, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. You know, we pray for people and we fight the enemy. We fight the devil. We fight ideas and philosophies with truth. But we don't kill people because they disagree with us. Amen. That's what they do. So Ephesians 5, 2 says, Walk in love as Christ also has loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice for a sweet-smelling savor. We walk in love and we give ourselves as an offering. Amen? The apostles suffered and paid the ultimate price to proclaim the gospel to the world. Devoted men throughout history have paid the supreme price. Now it's our turn. We cannot honestly stand up and sing God bless America if we're not willing to do what these people did. Amen. You say, well, I'm nobody. No, you're somebody. You may, you, may, you may be a drop of blood in the bucket of patriotism, but I'm telling you, every drop counts. Uh, look with me in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, we'll start with verse 32. The whole chapter is a great chapter, but for time's sake, we'll just get down to the, we'll get down to the end of it where I think we fit in. How many of you want to fit in? <laughs> you want to fit into what God's doing. Hebrews 11:32 says, What shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah and David also and Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. I, I don't see pacifist here. I don't, I don't see pacifism in this. These were fighters. These were spunky people. Women received their dead raised to life again. You ought to read the stories about you know, what the women did to get their dead raised to life again. Like one woman, you know, she denied, she never said a word about her son being dead. When they asked her along the way, she went to get the preacher. They asked her along the way, how are things going? She says, all's well. She goes to get the preacher and she tells the preacher, you're coming to my house. And you're coming now. So he came and the boy was raised from the dead. I mean, these are women who wouldn't put up with death. I saw a video about a woman in, in Africa. Many of you have seen this video. Her husband died in a car wreck. But God had promised her that, he, that her husband would, uh, you know, that she would not suffer the loss of her husband. And here she gets news that her husband's died in a car wreck. 
So she goes to the mortuary, gets his dead body that's already been embalmed, puts it in a casket, puts it in the back end of a, uh, an ambulance, and drives it to a Reinhard Bonnke meeting. Well, she gets to the gate, and the security guys wouldn't let her in with this box in the back. They wanted to see what was in the box, in case there was no, a bomb in there or whatever. So they opened the box, and there's this dead man in the box. And they said, where are you going with this dead man? And she said, I'm going to see Reinhard Bonnke. We're, he's going to raise him from the dead. Oh, no, we can't get, let you go into the meeting. If people see the dead body, they'll freak out. Take him to the basement. How many of you saw that video? Take him to the basement. <laughs> so they took him down into the basement underneath where the church service was going on, down into the basement. It was, it was packed with people. Here's this casket sitting on a couple sawhorses. They open the casket. Here's this dead body, and they start praying. And to make a long story short, the guy was raised from the dead. Then he went to the meeting. <laughs> but they got all this, they got it all on video. I mean, you know, you know, first he started, you know, they were rubbing his arms and legs, you know, because, you know, they were cold. And he said, I'm cold, I'm cold. So they warmed him up a little bit. And then, they, then he gets up and he starts walking. People are freaking out. So the camera crew goes with him back to his village where he died, went to the police station that worked the accident. They freaked out when they saw him walk in. Then they said, well, let's go to the funeral home. Let's go talk to the guy who embalmed you. So they go to the funeral home. The guy that embalmed him, his eyes go boing. And he took him in to where he drained the man's blood Showed him the drain, showed him where they where he hung him upside down, drained his blood out, showed the slab where they laid him on. By the way, the mortician got saved. That was a woman who would not accept the death of her husband. These are the kind of people that that have kept this thing going. Amen. Let's see what else. Verse forty. Uh, verse. Uh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. 36, thank you. Others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonments. We've read about some of them in American history. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. Were tempted. tempted were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. All of these having obtained a good report through faith. You see, they weren't suffering these things because they did wrong. They were standing up for something. You see that? They did not receive the promise, God having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be perfect, be made perfect. I always wonder, why in the world, that, what does that mean? It means God did not, did not end the thing in their time. He kept this thing going so that we could join with them in their efforts and in their sufferings. 
chapter 12, verse 1 proves my point. Wherefore, seeing we're also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Who are the witnesses? These people. Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> Thomas Jefferson. Abraham Lincoln. All the people who laid down their lives, they're in that cloud of witnesses. They're watching to see what we're going to do in our time. He said, let us lay aside every weight. You know what can be a weight to you? Your desire for self-preservation. Your desire to save your own life. Your, your desire for comfort and ease and rest. You don't mind doing a few things as long as you can sleep in your own bed at night. What if you were called upon to give up your bed and sleep in the woods or a cave? What if you were called upon to die in the woods or in a cave? Or put on fire or saw it in half? What, what, what if your destiny has always been a destiny to lay down your life for the gospel? What's the, what if that was your destiny, your purpose? What if that was what was written in the book at the, for the end of your life? For you to go out like John the Apostle or Peter the Apostle or John Knox, the Bible printer. He said, lay aside every weight. I think sometimes our selfishness is our weight. Yeah, I'll give any amount as long as it doesn't interfere with my vacation. <laughs> you see where I'm going with this, right? The sin which does so easily beset us. See, that sin could be just missing the sin means miss the mark. That sin could just simply you you missing the whole point of life. What if the whole point of your life was to lay down your life? Oh, God would never do that to anybody. Well, he did it to Jesus. When Jesus came into the world, it was for the purpose of laying down his life and dying for us. That's why he didn't live any longer than 33 and a half years. He didn't come to live a life of convenience. He came to die. He came to be offered up as a sacrifice. And so he is our example here. He says, looking unto Jesus, verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He was willing to endure a momentary period of suffering and he suffered greatly for the glory that it would bring about amen <laughs> Romans 12 tells us to present our bodies as living sacrifices. See, God may not call you to die. He may call you to live. But your living is a sacrifice. Paul said that. He said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Notice he didn't say, for me to live is a sacrifice. For me to live is going to be hard. 
No, he says, for me to live is Christ. For me to die is gain. Praise the Lord. So how determined are you to be an American? A true, red-blooded, patriotic, flag-waving, hymn-singing, voting, American. How, how serious about this are you? Because freedom is not free. Amen. I saw an interview of a World War II veteran, 100 years old. He was in his full dress uniform. Looked like he kind of melted in it, you know, he's got a little shriveled up, white hair, kind of slumped over. And he was talking about all the sacrifices that he and his comrades gave during the war and, and different wars. And his voice kind of quivered and cracked. And he said, This is not the America that we did all that for. You know, we owe it to that old man. And others like him. My dad who bled on the battlefields of Europe. You know, my dad was injured by a bomb that fell out of an American P-31 friendly fire they were camped in the woods there in uh, you know uh, eastern France and this fighter plane mistook them for Germans and then you know just took a nose dive and dropped a bomb on them well they heard it coming so they took off running my dad and his two best friends his sergeant was on the left his best friend you know, that had been with them through Omaha Beach and all that on his right hand. He was in the middle, and they were running, trying to get away from this bomb. They, they could hear it coming. It was whistling. All of a sudden, it exploded. His sergeant was vaporized. His best friend was cut in half. But a tree limb hit my dad on the head and knocked him down. But he got a severe concussion, and they dragged him out took him to the hospital and dug shrapnel bomb fragments out of his back. His back was just littered with bomb fragments. But if that branch hadn't knocked him down, he would have been cut in half just like his friend was. So they send him over to the London hospital to recover, and uh, which he did. And then right before they dismissed him from the hospital, they didn't come in with a ticket for a boat ride back to America. They didn't come in saying, you're going home, son. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't, they brought him a purple heart and they said, you're going back into combat. We need you 
in combat. He didn't say, well, I've got PTSD. I think that's a real thing, but I think some people use it as a cop-out. I think real men are the kind of men who lick their wounds and go back and get back into the fight. See, my dad was a real man. He got back into the fight. He left that hospital at 12 noon. At 2 p.m. that afternoon, the Germans bombed the hospital and killed everybody in it. But my dad was already at the docks getting ready to go back into combat. My dad was one of the first American soldiers to cross the Rhine River into Germany. He was a member of the 3rd Army Spearhead Division. And they called him Spearhead because they went first. And he was among the first, maybe the first hundred, maybe the first 500, maybe the first thousand, I don't know. But he was, he was in that first group that went over into Germany. This was after he had been bombed and went to the hospital. These men paid a price. He had a twin brother, my Uncle George. They were always the same, rough, playful, happy-go-lucky, prankster-type kids, twins. They were so identical that they'd go out on a date and switch their dates, and their dates would never know it. I mean, they were that identical. Their personalities were lively and buoyant and fun-loving. But when my dad came back from that war, they tell me that his personality had changed. He was serious, somber, and quiet. And from that time on, you could tell, you could tell the difference between him and Uncle George. He saw things that did affect him. And, and today, he'd, prob he'd probably fit in that P PTSD category, but he didn't know it. So you know what he did? He just went to the altar the first Sunday he was home from the war and went down to the altar and got saved. He said, the Lord kept me through that war. He says, I owe him my life. And he spent the rest of his life raising his kids to be Americans and be proud of it and to be Christians. That's what they call the greatest generation. But it's going to take people of that caliber to save America. Amen? And we can't just hope that somebody stands up. We've got we to be among those who stand up. Rise. Rise and shine. For the, You know, what, what does uh, Isaiah 61 say? Arise and shine, for thy light has come, that the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. And God has brought us to the kingdom for such a time as this. Thank God for the founding fathers. Thank God for the Christian church founding fathers. Thank God for all the martyrs of the last 2,000 years. But it's our day. It's our time. It's our turn. Amen.